Yeah, that's that's tough. I think it got to a point where I just I didn't like um, that feeling of being so anxious that it would keep me from talking to somebody, and it was something that I really disliked. And it was just um, oh, I, I I think it's it might be Tony Robbins that it takes like a, a lifetime to change, but um, you make the decision in a moment, and that was like my moment of just I'm tired of having these feelings. I don't like it and I'm not gonna change it. Welcome back to the Freedom and Scrubs podcast. We are your hosts, Kim and Aaron G. And in this episode, we are talking all things traveling solo with one of our really good friends, Dr. Dylan Collier. So I'm actually really excited about this episode because this is our very first interview. Mm We've never interviewed Well, anyone. we interview each other. Right. True. <laughs> but like, we like to do most of the talking. Let's mm-hmm. just be honest. So interviewing isn't one of our strengths. No, and we're very familiar with that because we like to not really ask questions and wait for answers. <laughs> we just like, we to, like talk. to just talk. We just like to talk, yeah. yeah. But this was a good learning thing. It was a really good learning opportunity for us. And it was just really fun to dig into this conversation with our friend Dylan because we're a couple travelers well Mm -hmm. we're a couple who travels a travel couple a travel couple Mm -hmm. and dylan is a solo traveler so it was really fun to be able to pick his brain and to be able to bring this to our audience because that's obviously a subject we don't really know anything about and so we talk all about traveling solo as a healthcare traveler an international traveler being an introvert and meeting friends and putting yourself out there and just all kinds of tips and tricks for traveling as a solo healthcare traveler. Yeah, and we we joke around because, you know, Dylan's a really good friend of ours and we have coined many nicknames for him, one of them being the Big Dill. Um, And so he gave some really good tips for solo travelers and just kind of a lot of things that you can take away, and, and I'm, I'm guessing a lot of the things that you're already thinking about if you're planning on going out as a solo traveler. So this is definitely a jam-packed um, episode, but we do have to apologize because Dylan, um, this is going to be a two-part series. And so Dylan um, was stuck in Peru, which is part two of the interview with Dylan. Um, but he Wait, was... I want to say something because okay. we need to elaborate on that a okay. little bit. So this is a two-part series. So the first part is we basically sat and talked to Dylan for like three hours last yeah. weekend. Um, but the first part, we're hitting the solo travel. The second part, which will be next week, we're going to dig into Dylan being stuck in Peru under quarantine and being trapped there basically and not being able to get out and it was a crazy story so he's gonna dig into all of that and give us like juicy behind the scenes um yeah just his experience and so that will be next week a little inside police were like banging on their doors and telling them to go to bed at eight o'clock at night because their lights were on like they were breathalyzing people inside the houses if they tested positive for alcohol they were going to jail for the night it's a crazy it's crazy story Um, But also back to this one, this is a great interview, but he was at home at his parents' house outside of St. Louis and his internet was a little shoddy. Um, So the audio is not how Kim and I really like it, but it is, like I said, very value packed for solo travelers. And I think you guys will walk away with a lot. Yeah. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's just do it. Let's go. What's up, everybody? We are so excited for this episode. We have a really good friend of ours, one of my favorite people in the travel industry and just people in general, um, Dylan Collier. Um, so welcome to our first interview. Oh, my God, this is kind of crazy. You're our first interview ever on the podcast. Like, how cool are you? <laughs> well, thanks, guys. I'm super honored to be on the show for sure. I've been... Uh, been watching you guys for quite some time now so yeah it's super super thankful to be reached out to and uh, chat a little bit love you guys well bear with us because it is our first interview so we're gonna do our best (laughs) to not talk over each other and we are we are talking to the pro here who does the interviews the interview style um so it is a it's big shoes to fill but I think first off, just kind of explaining <laughs> just um, who you are, um, just you know how long you've been traveling, what you do. Um, obviously, this is a mix between healthcare traveling 
and you know your international travels and traveling as a solo individual um but yeah just kind of let us know why you're such a big deal oh my God. <laughs> so funny uh yeah so everyone my name is dr dylan Callier. i am a traveling physical therapist i've been traveling for three years now and um kind of just a little recap of my journeys um I wanted to do traveling physical therapy for a very, very long time, but I didn't really know how to get started. And so one of the things that I did was um, podcasting. So I would have people like him in there and come on, persons who were experienced um, in the field, so that I could trick them and ask them all the questions that I wanted and uh, get some answers on this whole crazy thing. And um, got to make a lot of friends doing so and eventually jumped into my own travels as well. Um, but I, I was just kind of thinking about back then because you guys are just launching your course and I was still living in my sister's house at this point, um, ready to move into my buddy's house where I did all the recordings. But uh, we kind of like started at the same time and we got to go to a couple of conferences together and uh, become really, really good friends that way. And um, yeah, I started started doing my own um, contracts, kind of went out to the West Coast big crazy experience there of like getting in the car and thinking, what am I doing? Um, you're solo, you're driving across the, the U.S. kind of leaving, like a really, really good job that you really enjoyed um, going into the unknown to a city where you don't know anybody, um, you don't really have anybody with you. And then, uh, yeah, we got to be involved with TrapCon together as well. And so um, I'm a community member there, being, being able to make a big impact on the uh, travel world in the healthcare industry here. So super thankful to share my experiences with you guys, my adventures, and um, a lot of the mistakes I've made along the way. I just want to say, I love that you started a podcast before you started traveling. And yeah. again, we got to be on it and that was so much fun, but it's like, like how smart are you <laughs> to basically just be like getting inside too from all the experts? You're like, okay, taking notes, got this, got this. All right, cool. And then you started traveling. Like that's just genius. Yeah. Good. No, and you interviewed a lot of cool people and I don't, I don't think you mentioned it, but what was the name of your podcast? So, because you have a lot of good content on there for travel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you can find it at New Medical Nomads. Um, that is the title of it. We're pretty much on any um, platform that you can listen to. And then um, you can always check out the, um, the website, newmedicalnomads.com as well. And uh, yeah, it was, if I ever had a superpower, it was meeting the right people at the right time. And uh, just being able to pick everybody's brains who had kind of been in this before, um, who knew what the hurdles were jumping into it. And then now that I've been in it for, you know, kind of that, that veteran status starts around like two to three years, um, kind of experiencing some of the struggles that I had talked to people, you know, two or three years ago that were having the same struggles. So it's almost like talking to a future you when you're having these interviews um, mm. with persons who are having experiences ahead of you. And so it's a really, really great way to learn and kind of just soak up all that wisdom. And then you don't feel as alone when you get there. Mm, I love that. A hundred percent. Like we, so this is, we want to dig into so much with you and we're going to actually, this is going to be a two part podcast series because we want to sink our teeth into solo traveling with you because not only do you travel solo as a healthcare traveler but you also travel solo internationally and you've done tons of amazing solo trips around the world and so we really want to dig into that with you because obviously Aaron and I travel as a couple and we have zero experience with this and so we just want to pick your brain about that and then the second part, which I'm yeah. really excited, is we're going to, you were literally locked in quarantine in Peru during the coronavirus. And so we're going to dig into that and hear your experience, which is insane. So, Well, especially with the fact that we were, we were going to be there as well. We were scheduling to go to Peru and then seeing that you were there, it was just like insane to watch all this unfold. And so... Definitely, like Kim said, really digging into that. Yeah. Which, P.S., you're home now. Yeah. It's uh, a <laughs> – yes, yes. I, I made it home. It was 
like a never-ending story. So uh, I was um, I originally got back and told one of my friends like the whole story. I think it took like straight like 30, 40 minutes. So there's definitely a lot to uh, to share <laughs> on that second part, but also a lot to share on the the solo traveling thing as well because I think it's one of the um, that when you're getting started and you're not really sure and like you don't know anybody who's ever done this before that doing this alone can be you can get get stuck on the fence and you start like digging in and trying to learn everything and you think oh if i just like learn these next few steps then i'll be ready and then you get there and you're like oh maybe if i learn a couple more and um you never actually jump off of the fence so that's that's my intention of um this first part is to get those who are planning on traveling solo especially if you're at the beginning um to give you that little extra push to just go for it yeah, I actually love that. And that's kind of like where I want to start because, you know, I've been listening to a lot of different podcasts. How I Built This is one of them that I listened to. And I really love how they started off with kind of like that backstory of, you know, the the travelers that's sitting at home who is really concerned with being just lonely and, and really just being by themselves. And you've done this and excelled at this. But I also know from knowing you that you're an introvert and that can kind of weigh on you a little bit. And so I really kind of just wanted to start at the beginning, like maybe some fears, maybe some things that were coming up for you before you started going. Now, granted, you did mention that you are smarter than the average bear and started a podcast to get to know people. um, I think with that being aside, just kind of what are some tips like back at the beginning when you were like feeling that fire to go travel and kind of how that's kind of led to you with um, with the international travel and just traveling by yourself? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, oh yeah, just going back then, um, I wanted to travel. As a traveling therapist, we had the opportunity to travel straight out of um, graduation, and that was the plan for a while. And probably the biggest thing that, it, even though this was a big dream of mine, there were still times where I was really tested on whether it be like relationships with families or relationships with friends or um, things that were having um, like internal confliction that made me really think, is this something I really, really want to go for? And so I did have those struggles, and I did find that the longer I was um, at home, I ended up taking a job with a friend. We uh, had a startup clinic. Uh, the plan was to work there for a year and then go, go travel. And so that was a hard decision in itself to kind of stay close to home and uh, have this experience with the startup clinic and my thoughts on that was well startup clinic doesn't come around all that often um and travel therapy will be, be there but as i was doing all these interviews and they're longer with my grandmother and they're longer with my nephews for a year it was much harder for me to pack up and leave and so i think the longer that you stay in one spot or potentially push off travel if you keep finding excuses not to go for it, the longer and harder it will be for you to actually jump in. And so I think there's never going to be a perfect time to do it. And that just know that if you're making that decision, maybe there is a little bit of a better time. But the longer that you push it off, the more likely you are to not actually jump into it. And so that was the first uh, realization I had when I was getting ready to travel. Um, when I was having persons on the podcast, loneliness was always something that popped up that we talked about. And surprisingly, as an introvert, or not surprisingly as an introvert, surprisingly, <laughs> it didn't hit me until maybe just this year um, was the first time I actually had some loneliness. And so even though I was able to postpone it for you know, about two years, uh, it is something that eventually crept up on me. And so that is something that you should expect on the road something that you should be prepared for. And so what I say on the topic of loneliness is um, I usually reach out to friends and family and just talk or um, call um, video conferences. Uh, is a really great way to stay in touch with everybody. And then having hobbies that keep you busy that you can, you know, kind of lock away and lose yourself into the flow of things and you won't feel um, that loneliness and it's just a passing moment. It'll go by. But uh, it was something that I thought I was kind of vulnerable against. Um, and it kind of came and hit me. So loneliness is something. Um, if that's something you're worried about, 
it's just kind of part of the solo traveling lifestyle. But if you have a good coping mechanism for when that happens, uh, you'll be just fine. Mm -hmm. I have a, a quick question for, since you are an introvert mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, we get to meet a lot of people on the road. That's one of one of the perks. We get to work with a lot of different people and we meet friends along the way. But as an introvert, and, and I say you're an introvert, but you're really not shy. I mean, you're no. friendly. You're yeah. friendly, you're outgoing. You, you went to a conference together, you were like going around introducing yourself to everybody while I'm like hiding in a corner. I'm like, right. wow. <laughs> like you are an introvert, but I know you work on putting yourself out there more and it's like a, a practice and mm -hmm. like a muscle you build over time that you get better at. So do you have any mm -hmm. tips or strategies that you do as an introvert that helps you get out while you're traveling to meet and connect with other friends and travelers along the way? Because I know that's not easy for people. No. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm happy you brought this up because I've been kind of itching to talk about the whole aspect of um, being an introvert and traveling. And there's always a spectrum. Um, you're never like fully introvert. You're never a full extrovert. And, there's always that little in between, I call it the ambervert zone, where um, usually people lay. And so you can be an extrovert and still need some like me space. And then you can also be an introvert and still get out and talk with people. Now, um, I will say from what I've noticed is that introverts do really, really well on contracts. So contracts are normally 13 weeks long. When you go out um, solo to this new place and you don't really know anybody, um, usually introverts do really, really well those first two weeks. Um, they can have their hobbies, maybe they're staying inside reading, maybe they're going out on hikes. Um, they're perfectly content with being really excited in the area and just doing a lot of solo activities. On the flip side, extroverts might struggle a little bit within those first couple weeks because they're in a new place and they don't really know anybody. And so they're kind of feeling the pressure to meet people and go out and, um, create some type of culture around them or some type of uh, friendship that they can really enjoy and uh, kind of get to know. After those first two weeks, if um, the stereotypical introvert hasn't been able to really make any friends in that first couple of weeks, that's when they start to feel a little bit like I need to, they start feeling the pressure of, oh, I need to start you know, trying to go out and meet people and things like that. Whereas the extrovert probably will meet somebody within those first two weeks, and it's likely that they're going to be BFF Jills for like that entire contract within there. So that's just something to think about and reflect on if you do fall within one of those categories more so. Um, for me, I was like the hardest of introverts um, when I was coming from my small town and going to school, and it was something I reflected on and realized very early on that I needed to work on especially in a field where you're talking to people every day, especially with um, just personal growth. And so what I ended up doing is just setting up little challenges for me in order to get out of my comfort zone. Um, started with just <laughs> going to random strangers and saying hi. Um, probably one of the more embarrassing um, stories I have of this is when I was working in um, Indiana on a clinic. It was one of my last clinical rotations. I would go out to the local mall and I would just walk around and I would go introduce myself to people and say hi. And it was so scary for me at the time because <laughs> I realized that in social context, like at this point, I was super comfortable with approaching people in the clinic because it was expected. But if somebody sat next to me at the coffee shop, I'd be like having so much, um, so much butterflies to actually like talk with them because it wasn't like expected. And so what I started doing is putting myself out there um, in situations that I knew I was going to feel uncomfortable. And so now um, when I'm on the road, it is a lot easier for me to start conversations, but there's still those uh, like butterflies from time to time when you're out on the road, um, you're meeting other people, there is those butterflies. And maybe I don't get to say like hi right away. Maybe I have to like, kind of build my thoughts for 30 seconds for a minute before I reach out and say, say hi to that, that person. Um, but I do uh, really respect those that um, I've been with persons. Um, you guys are a great example or um, more 
persons who are on that extroverted side, like as soon as you sit down, like they can just fill the room with energy, say hi to everybody. Um, but that is something that I still still work on from time to time and start feeling if I uh, haven't been doing it as much. I can tell you one thing. I, I am an extrovert, and the thought of you walking through the mall saying hi to random people literally almost made me want to vomit. Like, I literally – my <laughs> inside out. So – and I, I'm one of those that could perform on a stage in the mall, but let me walk up to a stranger and just say hi. Like, that literally petrifies me. Me too. To no end. I, I'm an extrovert. I love people, but I'm also an introvert where I like – be alone and have my own time and I recharge by being alone and I like to consider myself pretty friendly and outgoing but I remember when we went to a conference with you and you were like my goal is to introduce myself to x amount of people or everybody in the room and just go up and start a conversation and I remember thinking oh my gosh like I don't know just walking up to somebody and saying hi is such a simple idea but it, it you're vulnerable and you're putting yourself out there and and you feel nervous and afraid and I love what you said there though because I think no matter what you're uncomfortable with we all have things that make us feel uncomfortable but you set these little goals and challenges for yourself and you keep showing up for them and you keep doing them day after day even when it's uncomfortable and then you just get better and better and better over time and before you know it you're going up to people and just like being like hey what's up like yeah I'm I just, Dill. yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of a big deal <laughs> for like anything in life you know? yeah but i mean where do you think that comes from dylan like i mean again like that's not that's not everybody so obviously there was a pull or a push and you did mention it but i mean to actually take action to do that a lot of people would talk about it and be like i want to do this because i want to feel better but then when push comes to shove and it's time to go things happen differently so what do you think that you have that really puts you in that position to say screw it i'm doing it <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's tough. I think it got to a point where I just I didn't like um, that feeling of being so anxious that it would keep me from talking to somebody. And it was something that I really disliked. And it was just um, oh, I, I I think it's it might be Tony Robbins that it takes like a, a lifetime to change, but um, you make the decision in a moment. And that was like my moment of just, I'm tired of having these feelings. I don't like it and I'm not going to change it. And not to say that it's been easy breezy from there or that you, um, it's like a, a, you know, if you look at a graph, it's like a straight diagonal. Like there's definitely dips and stuff. Um, you start focusing on some other priorities and things, but it is something that usually takes a conscious effort for me. And so, um, for those that are maybe wanting to become a little bit more social, a little bit more extroverted, um, at conferences, conferences are a great place to do it because everybody's new there. Um, they might know like a handful of people, but you go to conferences to meet people. And so when you're there, um, especially like TravCon or just with travelers, everybody just wants to hear about your stories and wants to hear about your travels and are so open um, to have those conversations. Um, when you're walking around, talking people like they're super receptive and so if you can just get over that hurdle of initiating the conversation most of the times they were looking for somebody to talk to um the, the bigger kind of hurdle is when they're in a group of people and they start talking um, that can be a little bit off-putting at some point so you just gotta just gotta go for it um for me the reason i say oh i, I want to talk to everybody in the rooms because i know my personality is all or nothing and so if I go and I don't start talking to people right away, most likely I will not be able to get the momentum to talk to, talk to anyone. And mm -hmm. so that point, I need to take a step back, maybe go to the bathroom, like wash my face, like whatever it might be, and just say, okay, reset. Now I'm going to go back in, and now I'm going to say hi to every, every person in the room. And this is actually something that I started with my good friends, um, or my good friend, Dr. Jody James, who's also a traveling therapist now. Um, we did this as a, as like a bro couple. <laughs> so we would, 
we would uh, go on these like networking tours of the rooms and we would literally talk to every single group that was there. And so if you do know somebody, um, that can be a great way to like meet other persons as well. You don't feel as vulnerable if you're doing it with, a, with somebody else. But um, it's kind of like the gym eventually, like they're not going to be there or maybe your schedules don't add up or maybe they're like day and your chest day and eventually you're going to have to do it so well. Um, but that is a, an easy way to kind of introduce yourself into a uh, exercise like that. Yeah. I think that's such a good point too of you got to just get in there. I'm the same way. It's kind of like, it's all or nothing. Like I have to just dive in head first because how you start off, usually that energy carries you through. So if you start off kind of shy and reserved, it's really hard then to amp yourself up to getting to a really friendly, high vibe conversational place. And so it's like setting the tone by, okay, you know, I think this is a great tip for, for all of our traveler, our solo traveling friends listening is, you know, setting small goals for yourself every single day and putting yourself out there every single day in small ways. And maybe that's just, you know, the first day smiling at someone or saying hi to somebody random in the hallway. And then the next day is asking, Hey, you know, I love pizza. Where's a great pizza place? Like slowly just putting yourself out there and then gaining momentum around that and keep creating those small goals until you feel a little bit more comfortable and you find your flow, you know? Yeah. I actually heard, I heard you say something. Um, I could have be diving too into it, but I heard that it was basically you were saying the fear of the anxiety of not speaking to somebody actually outweighed the anxiety of actually doing it. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's what I felt too. And that's funny coming from a different side is like I actually have re remember a lot of the times that I would be more mad at myself for not doing it um, mm -hmm. than I would have if I just ripped the bandaid off and do it and see how it goes. And so that was kind of interesting coming from two, I guess you would say almost polar opposite uh, perspectives of. Yeah, but it is, it's interesting. So it's like, you just go for it and you're uncomfortable for a minute, whatever we're talking about, whether we're talking about meeting friends or other Toastmasters, things, yeah, other things <laughs> we're uncomfortable doing, but it's <laughs> when you just like go into it. And even though you feel uncomfortable on the other side, you're like, damn, man, I'm so proud of myself. Well, on the flip side, if you don't do it, then you're like, damn, I'm so disappointed that I didn't just give a little bit and, and have that conversation. Well, and I you think know? you never know what you're actually capable of if you never actually do it. Yeah. Right. Totes. Totally. Okay. I love, I love the Nike slogan of like, just do it. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, exactly what you were saying, Aaron. Like, I would, I would finally break the barrier. I would go through and, oh, I had all these butterflies and, you know, you walk across the mall or whatever, wherever you're at and you say hi to this person. And that was, that was it. That was the barrier. And as soon as you're over that, like, you're kind of staring at this, you know, 10 foot fire wall and then you kind of walk through and you realize it's, it's fake and um, it's not that big of a deal. And there is like, you get to the other side and you're like, oh my gosh, that was nothing. And then you do it again and like there's still that 10 foot fire wall, but maybe, maybe it's just a little bit shorter this time. And eventually like you, you always have a wall, at, at least for me, um, there's always kind of been some sort of wall there, some sort of butterfly feeling, some sort of um, just a little bit of hesitation. Um, but it's not definitely not as big as what it used to be. And so for those who are kind of listening to these examples and just like, that is way too scary. I'm not at that point yet. One of the very first exercises that I did, or first thing, I wouldn't call it an exercise because it wasn't like, it wasn't this big planned out scheme to end up where I am now. It's just things I started trying out and um, doing a little bit more. The persons that you come into contact with at your grocery store or your, um, you're ordering coffee, like people who are in kind of this already spot where they're interacting you a little bit and go ahead and take that a step further and actually ask them how their day is and then have a little bit of conversation with them. It's a little outside the norm. Um, and then usually their face kind of lights up because um, they don't want to deal with lovely people all day. <laughs> and so like actually having a conversation for them is really enjoyable. And so that was one of the first things that I did. Um, also when going to a contract, um, it was a little bit different for me. It was an outpatient um, clinical contract. So, you're able to see everybody in the building. 
but I made it a point to introduce myself to every person in there. So they at least knew who I was. And um, just, yeah, just once you initiate that conversation, it's so much easier to like come up to them later on and ask for help or ask them how their day's going at lunch or whatever it might be. And so if you have a team that you work with, just introducing yourself to everybody, um, that can be a easy kind of introductory um, thing for you to do to just be a little bit more, more out there and outgoing. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I, you know, for anybody who's listening that say is on the fence about traveling and they're going to be traveling solo, at least starting off, that's the plan. And they're nervous and they're just unsure. And there's a lot of things coming up for them, like how you felt in the very beginning of just kind of that uncertainty and just the fears that come around taking this big leap. Do you have any tips besides, I mean, obviously we're talking a lot about, you know, meeting people and putting yourself out there socially, but the other aspects that do come up with being a traveler and having to make decisions and moving across the country and starting in a new facility and all the other moving parts that come with it when you are doing this alone again, like alone, because we, you know, Aaron and I get to make all these decisions together, you know? And so when you're doing this alone, what tips, or do you have any tips that you would give a solo traveler that was looking to you to be like, dude, help me out. What do I do? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I would say, um, first, if you're just jumping in to travel and you are super nervous, uh, that is normal. If you weren't feeling super nervous, um, I, I would maybe consider you an alien of some sort. Um, it's something that you're jumping into the unknown. And so I remember, even though I planned this for like four years and talked to all these people, all these travelers, of getting into my car. Um, it was a snowy day in St. Louis. I packed my car, packed it wrong side, unpacked everything, packed it again. And it was like icy and slippery and just cold. And I hop in the vehicle and I put my hands on the steering wheel. And I'm just like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> and it was such like, it was that moment of the roller coaster where you're like strapped in and you're at the top of the hill and you're just like, okay, like this is, this is it. Here we go. But it was such a rush and that is a hundred percent normal. So once you realize that's kind of normal, then you can move on and just go ahead and jump into it. I think, um, kind of calculated risks, looking at it, worst case scenario, you just come back to what your life was before. If you don't like it, mm-hmm. um, even the persons I have talked to that didn't absolutely love travel, which is very few, um, they, they were so, so thankful that they did it because that was something that they were going to think about and like regret not doing or have this like, oh, what if this would have happened sort of thing. And so even if they realized the lifestyle wasn't for them, they still took comfort in the fact that they made the decision, they were able to do it, and they realized that it wasn't for them. And so they came back and they kind of felt a little bit more clarity on what they wanted out of life or what they wanted for their lifestyle. Um, for solo travel, it loneliness should be always something that you consider that will happen at some point but it wasn't as frequent and it wasn't as hard meeting people as i thought it was going to be whether this is on contract or especially international travels when you're on a contract we have all these big groups out there and so most likely there's going to be travel near you so even if you're having a hard time meeting with somebody like in person um you can find somebody who's already in this lifestyle that doesn't think you're crazy or an fbi agent coming in has this whole ruse like you (laughs) have somebody who you can be familiar with and meet up with and that is that was i mean kim and aaron are i think it was my first contract we met up in temecula um and that little winery there with like what nine travelers that was um it's so easy to meet other travelers yeah it was really fun we drank a lot of wine Uh, but yeah it's it's so easy now with (laughs) it's so easy now to to meet other travelers and say if um say this last contract i was at a um i was at a a town of like i was working in a town of six thousand people i was living in a town of two thousand people there wasn't a lot of people but just an hour drive away there's two travelers up in grand junction colorado that I got to meet and it, it hasn't been nearly as hard as I thought it was going to be. So if this is something you're really, really worried about being solo, I think it's 
important to acknowledge, but also realize it's probably not going to be as tough as you thought it might be. International travels, I used to bring all these physical books with me. I love reading. And like I travel with like a suitcase of books when I go from contract to contract. And I brought these three books with me to my first like big boy international travel trip, my first solo trip over to Asia. And if I was going to have all this time to read, and I was actually kind of excited about it. And I didn't touch those books at all during those two months because it was so easy to meet people at these hostels. And you would show up and literally within three minutes, you get invited to go to dinner with somebody. And so you like join a group of four people. And then now you're having a hike early tomorrow morning that you didn't hear about. And it just kind of takes you on a whole different adventure. And so there, there is pros and cons to traveling solo, to traveling with a couple. But one of the strong pros is that it's so easy to meet people when you're by yourself. You're so much more approachable from other people. And um, I think in a couple, you kind of get used to talking to people. Whereas when you're solo and you're wanting to talk to somebody and you don't have somebody next to you, um, you'll reach out to the person who's maybe three feet away and just ask them, hey, how's it going? What are you doing? What are you reading? And start a conversation like that. Yeah, Aaron and I always talk about that is, you know, as a couple, I love traveling together and I wouldn't have it any other way. I don't even know any other way. We've been, you know, together for 12 years. So I love having that, our, my partner in crime. But what you said is so true about when you are by yourself, you're so much more apt to put yourself out there to strike up that conversation of the person next to you at the bar or the person at the hostel that's like, Hey, you want to hike tomorrow? And you're like, sure. Why not? Cause you're just, you're by yourself and you're open to all possibilities. Whereas a couple will tend to like, you know, be, we're friendly, but we're still in our own little bubble and we're, we're more inclined to be like, Oh no, we actually already have plans tomorrow. We're doing that instead of putting ourselves out there. You know? Yeah, and I also feel you really hit on it too. People not really understanding, and again, it goes back to you don't know what you don't know, and you don't even know the questions to ask if you don't know anything about it. But travelers are for I've just I've been so impressed with the traveler community, both internationally and healthcare traveling, because we do have that like-minded community already established. And it is extremely welcoming. And I think if I'm saying majority, 90%, and Dylan, you might have something different, but I'd say like 90% of the people I've come into contact with want to meet other people, want to include other people. It's like the little brotherhood, sisterhood of travelers. And I've seen that, like I said, both internationally and especially in the healthcare traveling world. Well, I think now with like all these cool Facebook groups, like people are doing meetups all the time. Like I can get, if I was traveling solo, one thing I would do is like get in these Facebook groups and be like, Hey, I'm going to, you know, St. Louis, I'm going to Kansas city, wherever you're going. And there's going to be some people there that are also traveling solo that want to meet up and grab a drink or have dinner or hike. So I feel like to, today with social media, it's much easier to connect with people, 100%. you know, which is awesome. Yeah. Okay. So I often think about what it might have been like to travel so far back. Um, I mean, when you didn't have GPS, when you're, uh, I mean, traveling's been a thing for, for a while. And so um, we have somebody on the traveling committee that, um, and Aaron and Kim, I think you were there for that, was telling the story of um, back in the day, how they used to do like staffing before their fax machines. And so traveling's been around for a while and back before GPS, back before, um, you know, hopping on Facebook groups back and forth, Tinder to meet people like um, it was much different back then. I can't imagine um, kind of doing it now of like <laughs> showing up somewhere and not uh, having the ability to Google where the nearest grocery store is or, oh, man, I'm so hungry right now. I, I don't want to pack my car. I would drive to the nearest like junk fast food place or whatever it might be. Um, and you, you can't like do that <laughs> no. back then. And so, yeah, definitely. Um, thankful for the ability to have internet now and how it's been connecting people. I think people are connecting much, much more right now. And again, um, even with your guys' course and your guys' group, I think we have the most educated group of travelers at this moment too. And so for those that are thinking like, oh, 
I just don't understand enough or I need to understand a little bit more. Um, there are basics to know, but um, there's it's so much easier to jump into now. You probably know a lot more than um, persons did 10 years ago after they've been traveling for three years. Um, it's just it what a convenient time it is to travel. Um, and that goes for both contracts and going across the states and also internationally. Oh, 100%. I can't even imagine. I would, like, die without the internet. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't even make it to the grocery store in the place that we've lived for eight months without GPS. It's ridiculous. Because I just rely on it. I'm just like, I'm not going to pay attention. What am I GPS? Like, it's, I'm a mess. Yeah. I'm a mess. We are different in that aspect. <laughs> I will drive around the town I'm in without my GPS. You have, like, a compass. To figure it out. Because yeah. I, I don't like having to be, like, him just, like, uh, Well, and I never drive. Yeah. So, um, okay, I want to switch gears here because not okay. only, Avi, are you a healthcare traveler, but you, you've traveled so much alone internationally, and I know from just being your friend that you had set this really cool goal for yourself that you wanted to live in each continent for a certain amount of time, right? Before you turn 30, something like, what was your goal? Mm-hmm. Yep. Wait, you're not- So 30. I want to live on each continent before I turn 30. I am not 30. <laughs> uh, how old do you want me to be? Yeah, so I have like, um, I got four, con- four continents under my belt as of today. Um, three more to go. Um, and that came out of a place that I, I was setting these goals. This is, this is when I was, um, working at the clinic. I just graduated. I am setting these goals for myself and I knew that I needed to set goals that were going to scare me a little bit. And so that comes with a lot of, um, a lot of what we're talking about with me trying to hit and become more outgoing and extroverted and those things. Um, but also with this really big surge and, um, want for this lifestyle of traveling and so me me going to all seven continents I knew it was going to happen me living on all seven continents I knew it was going to happen but I wanted to put a timeline on it just to kind of give myself a little bit um a little bit of excitement for it because I think it's kind of like um when you're training for a sport um you should have like a competition every three months because that could keeps you like more competitive and striving to accomplish more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can be the same way. And so I have let's see, two more years to get on um, these other three continents. As long as everything goes to, uh, to plan with all this uh, COVID-19 stuff, um, Africa and Australia are for sure next year. Uh, big question mark would be Antarctica. And yeah. So that's, um, currently trying to get on um i i realized like i can't i can't just do a cruise for antarctica i'm gonna have to figure out another another avenue for me to actually stay there for 30 days and so i'm currently working on that but uh yeah that is good memory that's uh been a been a three-year goal of mine and slowly creeping up on it so I know. i know it's crazy well according to kim based off of our last episode that we just did um you have to go to this mysterious eighth continent. Oh my that God. She said, Stop. so <laughs> I was like, miss, miss travel, miss travel planner thinks there's eight continents. So you have to find that mysterious. <laughs> That's what right. I love about podcasting. I was like, you need like, to. It's like the out. seven world wonders. They just keep ad- adding more. Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> I'll true. find it. I'll find it. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's the hotels up in space you know when you're in those like slow orbiting satellites like uh, yeah i would do that in a <laughs> I know. but okay so you've gone so you have to live in each place for 30 days and you've currently done <laughs> asia south america and where else uh north america and um europe as well in Europe. Okay, cool. So you have two years to spend 30 days in mm-hmm. Africa, 30 days in Australia, and 30 days in Antarctica, which I'm really excited to watch you do mm-hmm. that. Because I, I like what I don't even know what you're I know the, the 
cruises that go, but like, are you going to live in like an igloo? Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm excited to find out. <laughs> There's a, uh, it, uh, I kind of wish, I kind of wish I wouldn't have watched it, but um, one of my things now, um, probably within within the last six months, is I've stopped Google imaging uh, places that I'm going to go because I just like stumbling onto things, and uh, that's when I've had my most um, great, like the greatest experiences, is um, just stumbling onto things or stumbling into things. And so, if I get a recommendation to go on a hike, I don't look it up. I kind of just, um, I at least avoid the Google images, and I'll figure out my way to get there. But um, one of the things that I did end up watching on Antarctica was um, one of Anthony Bourdain's, um, one of he, his, uh, I, I can't remember the show name, but he went and did a tour of this uh, station in Antarctica called McMurdo Station. And if you want to get an idea of what it's like there, um, you can you can watch that because he did a really good job of explaining um, what the culture is there and why everybody lives at this station. And so um, that would probably be what it's going to be like. But um, yeah, we'll just have to see when I get there. Okay, so hold on. So you you kind of go and wander and see what you stumble upon. You're not somebody who has some kind of a, a game plan or plan for how you want to hit the ground running or ideas of things that you want to go see. I'm getting you, anxiety. I think you triggered something, Dylan. As a planner. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I like, I love the, I, I love like being able to be open to the things that come up in the spawn. Yeah, the spontaneity, but I'm also a planner at heart. So I always have a plan and real, and then I try to relax and let things happen naturally. But I got palpitations when you said you don't even like Google anything. <laughs> <laughs> So my my plans for this this most recent trip this is my this is my planning I knew that I wanted to go um, to Colombia for a month I knew I was kind of in between on how much time I'd spend in Ecuador um, but I knew I had a month in either Ecuador alone or Ecuador and Peru and then after that I would have a month in Argentina outside of that I had no plans um, could go wherever um, I wasn't constricted to the schedule and. Um, I brought, I bought a one-way ticket there. I uh, didn't know when I was coming back. So uh, I enjoy that a lot more. Um, and it might be a little, little bit more expensive as a solo traveler doing it and um, buying housing accommodations last minute, like literally the night before. Um, it's only not worked out for me maybe three times. And then, um, yeah, buying the plane tickets maybe like two days or three days before. But um, so it might be a little bit more expensive, but I love the freedom of just having the ability to bump into somebody. They're going somewhere you hadn't heard about it before. And you're like, um, yeah, that sounds amazing. I'll go too. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. That's, that's more my style. Um, I like having the openness to meet people to where you almost feel driven to go meet people because then you do get to plan things that are so spontaneous. And I, I do like that aspect, but then again, I have been living with my beautiful wife for 12 years, so I have... I converted you to I, a planner. I've become this, uh, what's the plan kind of guy. Actually, what's interesting, I think we, you've helped me be more relaxed and open because I love that, and I've helped you be a, like a little bit more of kind of like, hey, let's get a general idea. We know we want to check this place out. They're supposed to have the best tacos. We know we want to take this hike. We know we get an idea of what we want to do, and then we play around from there. I don't have, like, an itinerary with, like, you know, a freaking clipboard and, like, a headset. Like, okay, at 9 o'clock, report for Oh, you want one. I would, though. No, and I I do think, I mean, again, shameless plug. We do... We do shoot our YouTube videos why we why we go on our travels, and I think that does take a level of planning. So mm -hmm. I think if we weren't really shooting videos, I don't mm -hmm. think it would matter. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna blame it on the uh, YouTube channel. Okay, I've got one more question, and then we'll just kind of wrap this up, and then we'll d dig into um, the quarantined in Peru. Dun dun dun. No, the juice. But you know. For so traveling as a healthcare professional, obviously that's a huge step and it's intimidating and all of the things that we've talked about. 
but getting on an airplane and deciding to go on a trip across an ocean by yourself, not knowing one person and showing up in a different country, or maybe you don't know the language or any of that, like a first part of the question is when you were boarding your flight to Asia, knowing you were going on your own, what were your feelings? What were your thoughts? Like, take us back to that initial moment of like, holy shit, I'm going to Asia like, <laughs> with my compass and like, in my three books. <laughs> in, my, my books. <laughs> in my three books. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the reason I don't travel with three books anymore is because I never touched them and my bag got wet and they, they all like, all three got ruined. And yeah. so I purposely like do not travel with, um, with books on my international travels anymore because I realize I'm, I'm not going to touch them. And then also, I was really sad. Like, I, I, I like my books. Well, now um, so, I, yeah, um, <laughs> Hold on. The second part of the question is, for somebody who's like, I would love, I'm a healthcare traveler. I could take two months off if I wanted to. I have the freedom. I have the space. I want to plan a trip, but I'm nervous to go alone and put myself out there. Like a couple of tips or takeaways just for somebody like one solo travel to the other of like, what are some things just to kind of put their minds at ease that it's actually a really cool experience. And I think I got to say, if you can yeah, add, if you can <laughs> add just the, the, the safety aspect of it, I think it, in my opinion, it mm -hmm. always boils down to that. I don't feel safe in another country and this and that. So I, if you have time or you can. <laughs> <laughs> that was a shit ton of questions. Can yeah. you just like. <laughs> I, I think I got it. Okay. So I'll start with um, the Asia trip. And so I actually, uh, so we talked about planning and I would ask a lot of friends about places that I was going to. And so um, I would do some, some Googling. And I would hear about like some things that I might want to check out. Um, and so I was aware of like the big things um, to see and to um, kind of the, the cities that I would want to go to and things like that. I didn't have a timeline with them, but I knew kind of generally like I had this long list in my Evernote box of like things to check out um, per area. And so that was kind of like a to-do list, but not meant to be crossed off. And so I would talk to people and so I would get really comfortable with the places that I was going to because I would hear their experiences with it. So I wasn't completely going in blind. Um, Asia, I was very, very excited. It was like, it was my first travel, um, my so first solo travel trip. And so I was sitting in the airport, but I was waiting for this moment of, I had this like picturesque, like romantic um, type of, visual for myself that I was going to land um, in Thailand and Bangkok and I was going to like go straight to the beach after that and I was going to have like this this big like emotional moment of like everything that I've been working for towards like kind of coming together um, but unfortunately Bangkok's like right in the middle of the, of the country yes. <laughs> so I didn't get to see a, a, a beach until like two weeks later um, so again <laughs> I tend to go into um, certain places not doing a lot of research, but at least being generally aware. Another example is um, I was totally spacing out when I was filling out like travel insurance for that first trip and I was looking for Bali and I didn't see Bali. And so I never like actually clicked um, the country of Indonesia to like cover me. And then I ended up having that ratings experience, but um, that was a whole different, different story, but I'm not entirely, <laughs> Um, fully enveloped into these places I'm going. I'm just asking for tips of where to go from travelers and their overall experiences. So what I knew from Asia is that finding somebody who speaks English was very was going to be very easy. Um, at least in Thailand and Indonesia were, were the two places that I went. When I was getting ready for South America, I actually had more butterflies than I did Asia because I knew from talking to people that I mean, when I was in Colombia, I might have met three people that weren't in the hostels that spoke English. And so I knew that there was going to be a real language barrier with this one. And then also with um, kind of the stigma that Colombia has and South America has, I was getting nervous for that trip of um, safety. And so I had a lot more butterflies going there 
And then as soon as I landed, and as soon as I was there for a couple weeks, I realized it was just like every other place that I had heard about mm-hmm. that people were saying, oh, it's so dangerous there. You have to be careful. And then you actually get there and you're like, oh, it's, it's not any more dangerous than St. Louis. It's not any more right. dangerous than the city right. that I was in, you know, a year ago. And um, so now when I hear, oh, these places are so serious, like I take note, um, but it doesn't keep me from actually going there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and if people have traveled there before, uh, it's probably safe enough to travel there again. And so um, the safe part doesn't really stop me. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my, the, the age part um, didn't quite have as many butterflies involved as South America did. Um, when I was getting on that plane, but um, I can definitely go into what it's like with traveling as a solo person and staying safe. I think it's hard for me to talk on this without uh, bringing up the fact that I'm not a woman and (laughs) I'm not a solo lady traveler. But what I can say is that I have met a lot of badass solo women travelers mm-hmm. and I have met them from all ages from being 18 to 19 from being um, kind of <laughs> I call it the Swedish boomer um, of one of my friends I made um, this past trip in Columbia she was she had just retired and she was a solo, solo female traveler and we got into this conversation and she's she was 16 when she took her first travel trip and the cultural differences between Sweden and the U.S. was like, if she wouldn't have gone on that solo trip by herself, her family would have, like, saw her as a chicken or, like, thought that she was being outrageous. Because they wow. they feel so safe in the world to, like, send their baby girl out. Whereas in the U.S., we watch, you know, the, the news and you see all these stories and stuff and we're absolutely terrified. Um, so it is a much safer world out there than what comes across um, for those solo women travelers. There was a book I read that had a pretty good chapter on it. It's called Vagabonding by Ralph Potts. Um, definitely check that out if you're needing some inspiration to go travel solo. And this past trip in South America, I actually traveled with my first buddy. Um, my first time actually traveling with somebody, we ended up actually getting stuck in Peru together. But it was uh, me and my friend Jess, and I traveled solo to Colombia, and then she met me in Ecuador. And so my personal vendetta for for her was to get her comfortable enough to go on a solo trip. And within the first, I think it was the second day, she said that, oh, oh my gosh, this is nothing. Like, I could totally do this. And so it, it was such a quick turnaround. Like, once you... Once you actually arrive there, now she also like had help with, I had no, knew a little bit of Spanish at that point, but it's like people do it all the time. And so I don't want to come across like, oh, he's a, you know, solo male, like telling solo women, like it, it is different and maybe you'll have to take a couple extra steps, but a lot of women do it. And so I don't think that should be something that holds you back. With... Solo, you can always, um, I met one girl, she was staying in hostels and she was actually working at these hostels. And so she didn't have to pay for accommodation. She would just go to these hostels and work for them. And she would stay at one for like anywhere between two weeks to like three months. And then she would go off to the next one. But she would do a lot of research on the area and she was very meticulous about choosing where she was going to go. Um, If you stay in a hostel, I think you're, you're around people, it's pretty safe. Um, you have a lot of travelers with you as long as you're traveling around in a group um, and you're kind of following like good common sense rule of not walking the streets alone at night at 3 a.m. Um, mm-hmm. Things are going to be less likely to happen. I do say that something's always going to happen per trip and just kind of be ready for it. Um, this past trip, it was COVID 19 and getting, getting stuck <laughs> in Peru. That was the one thing. And uh, you, you just kind of, you, you expect challenges come up, come up as you go. And so that's kind of the trade-off of this whole lifestyle is that we have the freedom. Um, we make pretty good money. Um, we get to do all these things on the weekend that people save up their vacation time an entire year for. But um, we do have to trade a little bit of predictability 
of a little bit of stability and um, just being ready for those challenges when they, when they do pop up. Yeah. And then I think I forgot the second question. I think. I no, think, I think it was. I yeah, think we covered it. Yeah. Like tips and different things. I think that were was that the questions. Yeah. I can't even remember. We asked too many. We asked like a spit, like a. No, you said just where you were with, with Asia and how you felt, and then any tips, yeah. and then traveling mm -hmm. solo and, and yeah. feeling safe. I think one really oh, cool. cool. You talking about hostels is I think hostels are so great. Aaron and I even stay in hostels because they you can have a private room so even if you don't want to stay in the dormitory you can stay in a private room and have your own bathroom which is what we prefer because we like the privacy but then hostels are always in a great location there's always people in there that speak english mm -hmm. at least the places we've gone typically there's at least like one person and they have like they're in the know of everything so if you want to ask where to go, what to do, where to eat, like, is there a, a walking tour going on? Like, they're such a great resource. And then they also have the social aspect where you can just go up and work on your computer and there's other people around. So it's such a great way to put yourself out there and like meet people, mm -hmm. which is, I don't think I would stay anywhere. I like staying in hospitals. I do too. I um, do too. Yeah. Okay. Last thing. They're, they're really fun. My, my one story for uh, for hostels is um, what I've started doing is that I will choose one of the quieter hostels to stay at that is right next to the party hostel. So party hostels, it can be kind of hard to escape yeah. that, that that party vibe. Um, it'll be like, you know, 1 a.m. in the morning, boom, 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 you're trying to sleep because you have a volcano hike at like 4 a.m. No. <laughs> and so what I started doing is staying at the quieter ones, <laughs> staying at the quieter ones. Um, that's literally like next door within walking distance. Um, but the, the one story I have from, it was probably within my first two weeks uh, of Thailand on the, that first Asia trip, I was staying at a party hostel. And these are so cheap. They're like $3 a night, $4 a night, whatever it might be. And I was taking a shower and they're getting ready. It's like a Friday or Thursday or something like that. And somebody comes into the bathroom and they open up the curtain to my shower, and it's this bro. He's like, yo, dude, shower shot. Oh, <laughs> no. And so way. I'm really taken aback by this. I'm <laughs> showering, showering, and obviously like, no, go away. <laughs> but also, yes, I want the shot. Um, so it's it? just, <laughs> it can be a very, oh, yeah, it totally took it. Obviously. Yes. <laughs> it can be a very, uh, <laughs> it can be a very interesting um, atmosphere to be a part of, um, but it is nice to have, yeah, like you guys were saying, that private room or um, just uh, even the hostel next door and you're sharing a room with like three other individuals instead of like 12. Um, you can have that kind of like quiet space to go back to, um, especially if you're not moved for late night rave music or whatever it might be because um, you have adventures planned. Yeah, Dude, I agree. I, 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 I really love that guy. I want to find out who that was. I'm just sorry. <laughs> Shower <laughs> shot, bro. <laughs> Wait, was he naked too? Uh, uh no. Keep that fantasy to yourself. I don't know if that's more awkward. Oh no! Well, of course, Kim's like, really? They do that? <laughs> oh my god! We oh, could literally god. talk to you all day about all the things because you have so many good stories and insights about solo traveling. Um, I'm sure we got to have you back on where we can dig into things a little bit more, but let's yeah. end it here and move in to part two, which will be all about your experience in Peru in quarantine during the COVID-19. So yeah. that will be next week's episode. Yep. So definitely you guys want to head over there and check that out. Um, so let's, yeah. But in the meantime, Dylan, tell people where they can find you, follow you, all of your things. Where can they connect with you? Oh, definitely. So you can reach out and um, see the podcast and all the episodes there. It's mostly a lot of interview styles like these um, at newmedicalnomads.com or just searching medical nomads. Spotify, iTunes, or whatever you listen to um, your episodes on for this show. Um, for me, I am like the worst social media person ever. I <laughs> you are. I still have like 
tons of Asia pictures that I haven't posted, or I haven't posted anything from South America. I know. Um, I and so, um, yeah, I <laughs> I have all these gorgeous things. I just like, oh man, when you're out doing hikes, you're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to go back and upload all this stuff. I want to keep totally. going to it. Um, so I usually post like way, 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 way late uh, for these photos. But yeah, just reach out to me if you have any questions. I'm happy to happy to um, help with any guidance that you guys might be going through. Um, if you need some little extra motivation to jump into, or if you have more questions about being an introverted traveler or solo traveling or anything like that, super open, very responsive. Um, so yeah, reach out. So that wraps up part one of our interview with Dylan. We hope you guys liked it. We hope that you got some good takeaways. And if you did and you enjoyed it, head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, let us know your thoughts and takeaways because it really supports us and it allows the show to get out to more people. And we love hearing from our community. So leave us a comment, leave us feedback, and please share this with a travel friend or anyone you think might Find value in it. Yeah, the big deal made it happen. Um, I was I, I love this episode, but next week, guys, it is a big one about him being stuck in Peru under quarantine and trying to get back to the United States and all the crazy stuff that happens. So make sure to check back in next week for that episode. And until then, we will see you next week. See you later, Gator. Deuces.